handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 7 p.m. on Sunday, September 19th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. Recording, this is the third episode I've recorded today. I was supposed to do a lot of writing today, but instead, the first episode I recorded was down, was depressing to a, a degree that I wasn't even comfortable releasing it. Uh, then the second episode was an attempt to correct that, and that ended up kind of depressing. And then by the end of the day today, even though I have some more shit I have to do this evening before going to sleep, I said, let's have a third try. Third, t- third try is the charm, and uh, I think it will be, because uh, I had some decent things happen this afternoon, some f- fits of inspiration. Um, and then right before getting on the podcast... Right before starting this. And my, my mother's having surgery tomorrow, so as the son with fewer responsibilities, uh, uh, I am the one who will be getting her from the hospital, bringing her home, staying up in, in Riverdale for the night. Um, so that, uh, you know, 77, it's not a big surgery. It's, a, it's like an hour and a half. But, you know, 77 and my mom's nervous, uh, especially given what happened with my uncle last year. So, uh, you know, it's... Uh, so there's no there's no simple simple surgery at 77. So uh, tomorrow there won't be any time for me to record podcasts. So we did making podcasts great again earlier today, which was a fantastic episode. If I do say myself, despite the fact that I've been up since 2:50 in the morning for no reason other than I'm haunted by anxiety, comedy demons, and personal issues. Um, <clears throat> but. Um, I said, you know what, these people, these these loyal listeners, uh, whoever the fuck they are, deserve uh, a more upbeat uh, episode. Um, so right before getting on, I was like, all right, I'm in a good mood. I got some good jokes. I got some good things I want to talk about. And then uh, I wrote a joke. Uh, Shannon Sharp, NFL analyst, Hall of Fame tight end, uh, wrote on Twitter um, about some quarterback that I don't know because I'm not following football really anymore. Um, but he uh, 
he said, so-and-so's arm talent is for real. Now, arm talent is a, for longtime listeners of this podcast. I did uh, what's called a limited J John Gruden impression where I would just say, that guy's got a lot of arm talent. Uh, it was like a dumb phrase that I heard him say on Monday Night Football like 10 years ago. Like people used to say, oh, he's got a great arm. And instead, uh, instead it's now just, uh, our, he says, arm talent. Like that is the definition the definition of a useless extra word. So I kept making jokes about like, you know, he can throw the ball far. We're talking about real arm talent. So I referred to that as a, um, uh, my limited John Gruden. Now by calling it my limited John Gruden, I'm not going to sit here and talk like Frank Caliendo can as John Gruden for an hour. But that was just my little joke and people enjoyed it on the podcast. But the phrase limited... John Gruden, the limited portion of that came from the Dan Lebitard show, which would often refer to impressions that were only good for a few words as limited fake so-and-so. And so I borrowed that and started saying uh, my limited, my limited John Gruden impression. So I write that on Twitter. A few people get it. You know, it was really for the, for the old school fans of mine to see the tweet, which of course they probably won't because the algorithm is, uh, uh, anally dry raping me, but, uh, sorry if that's triggering for anybody, but, um, there I go. See, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I couldn't leave the algorithm alone. The algorithm's going to get you tonight. And the, uh, some guy who I don't fucking know who follows me on Twitter, because once again, impossible to get respect, even from one's fans. This is, this is the problem with comedy. It's not the people who fucking troll. Those people are more easily dismissed. It's bad fans. It's, it's people who, who don't get comedy but are, think they, they want to weigh in on everything, even though they're stupid or have no frame of reference or anything. And this guy – so I was in a good mood right until this. And, of course, I had to check Twitter. But uh, the, the guy said, uh, if you do a Gruden impression, it should not be limited or something. And I was just like, I just wrote to him, thanks for the tip guy who has no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, I deleted several replies that involved cursing. So growth, that's called growth, people. Not afraid of showing emotional growth. But um, yeah, that just put me in a pissed off mood. Because it's like you try to have a fun moment. And it's, 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 it's the person who follows you for some reason, but doesn't really follow like, doesn't give a shit, doesn't understand, does, follows me probably because of fun fucking one video or five videos and then thinks they can opine on comedy. And so I'm going to take a beat here because a good thing happened. A woman who follows me on Instagram came up to me in Starbucks today and said, are you JL? And I said, yes. She's like, I'm a big fan of your stuff. I follow you on Instagram. And I was like, oh, didn't you write to me on 9-11 when I posted about the memorial saying we were neighbors? And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I live in you know, the next town over. But like I'm on the border of like the one town right into the next town. So uh, the Starbucks I go to is technically in Glen Ridge, even though it's like two blocks from uh, Bloomfield where I live. So that was good. That was the first piece of sort of like, hey, that was nice. Um, but I was so weird that I didn't ask for her name in return. Um, and I felt like rude, but then I immediately went to Instagram. I'm like, Oh, that's you. Okay. But I was just like, Oh, you contacted me on it. And so, but I felt like, I, I, I don't know. Do I maintain celebrity allure by not going, Hey, what's your name neighbor? Cause then you've broken it down. Now I'm just a neighbor. 
but I'm still now I get to still be sort of celebrity that she might see once in a blue moon at Starbucks and probably tell her husband, I saw JL at Starbucks. No way. And then that's it. That's the extent of the celebrity. But um, that was nice. That felt kind of good um, in a in a small but nice way. You know, just, uh, yeah. Hey, neighbor. Uh, glad you like my stuff. Thank you. I doubt you listen to this podcast, but, uh, you know, if you happen to listen to this episode, thanks. It made my day. It made me, it made me pleased enough that I, uh, went back to my podcast for a third time to make a podcast that wasn't so depressing. And had I just not checked Twitter, had I just not checked Twitter, isn't, isn't that the story of our lives? Had I not checked Twitter, I would have been really pleased getting on this episode. Um, but I, uh, shows, show announcements, which are always a source somehow of sadness for me now, even though I'm adding shows. Um, this Sunday, uh, you know, Sunday the 26th, Philadelphia Helium Comedy Club. Hope hope you can make it if you're in the greater Philadelphia area. It's a great club. It's my favorite audience is usually to perform for. So I hope you can be part of that. Um, October 6th, Raleigh, North Carolina at Good Nights Comedy Club. Uh, October 15th, for any of my Long Island or far out in Queens people, please come to the Brokerage Comedy Club in Belmore, Long Island. Uh, that's an important show for me, just in terms of getting future bookings through that booker. Um, then October 23rd, as I alluded to last week, I've, I've, pulled, the, I've pulled the trigger, and it is now one show, 8 o'clock. So it's going to be a one-take special. Uh, the story of my career. I really didn't think this was going to be the case, but you know what? I don't trust, um, I can't trust my own fans and friends because, um, you know, it's it's a month away and the ticket sales are are slow. Now, people wait, but I, I do take that. I, 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 you know, what, what the fuck am I going to hold back here? I do take it as a sign of disrespect for my career, for me, that people don't, you know, and that's okay, but it is, it, it, it's not like it's an act of malice necessarily, but it's, it feels disrespectful that like I'm doing a special. I had a huge year. I built up a big fan base and then ticket sales are slower than they've been for some of my album recordings in the past. So that's, that's unsettling. Let's leave it at that. That's unsettling. So I figured for my own peace of mind, similar to the way I'm going to have to probably quit comedy for my own peace of mind, I have to place that above potentially having some greater success. I would have loved to have done two shows. I can't believe that I'm not doing two shows. I, I thought for sure I was going to have like at least 200 people. Um, but maybe I would have, but I couldn't, I can't take that risk. I can't wait until a week before and then still see shitty ticket sales and find out that the combination of the Twitter algorithm, the YouTube algorithm, uh, collecting fans who don't like stand up or care about stand up. Um, et cetera, et cetera, are, are going to leave me, um, uh, and to quote the Godfather, uh, coming out of the bathroom with my dick in my hand. So I made the choice for my own peace of mind that I'm going to have one big crowd and I'm just going to do what I've done my entire career, which is, um, do it in one take. We'll do it live to quote Bill O'Reilly. Um, and that's it. And I'm just going to have to have faith and confidence that I'm going to deliver the way I always have. And it's going to be stressful. It's going to be exhausting. And then I'm going to reevaluate, you know, sort of my life in comedy when, when that is done. But so that's now an eight o'clock show. So I guess I can say seats are limited. There will be a new link soon. And obviously anybody who has tickets to the seven, uh, seven o'clock or nine thirty shows, 
uh, we'll get an email soon basically saying like you're now, you know, let us know if you can't make an eight o'clock show. But I'm hoping and assuming most, if not everybody, can just do an eight o'clock show um, that was going to do either a seven or a nine thirty. And then I'm kind of a little after party where I probably, uh, you know, pretend to be happy and then uh, tear up on the New Jersey Transit home uh, wondering what the hell I'm doing with my life. But anyway, I said this wasn't going to be a depressing episode, so let's move on from this. Um, insomnia, I've been up since 2.50, like I said. Uh, my sleep has not gotten any better, although I am getting more jacked and losing weight and feeling a little more fit. Definitely going to need knee surgery of some kind on my left knee, so that's that's unfortunate, but that won't be until uh, – I won't get that looked at until November or December. I still want to lose more weight. The knee is not getting any worse, so that's good, but if uh, it just I, – I believe that there's going to be need to be some kind of surgery, hoping it's a minor surgery and not sort of an incapacitating six-week surgery. So that'll be the fun mystery this winter. Uh, for Hanukkah, he got six weeks of knee surgery rest. Um, not afraid of choosing a different holiday than the one he celebrates. Um, a lot of arm talent. You shouldn't do a limited one if you do. Okay, thank you, guy. Um, <laughs> so right now I'm sitting in the home office and it's getting dark uh, in the home office. So I am sitting here without a shirt on in my gym shorts recording this in a room that is getting dark. This is probably the movie poster for my, uh, this is what I envision being the movie poster for my, um, biopic, uh, where an up and coming beige comedian will become a global superstar playing me. Oh, the irony. But, uh, I'm excited for, for half blackface because it is, uh, I am at a sort of don't give a fucks phase. And I don't mean that in terms of a, I'm going to say, I don't care who I offend. It's not like an offensive set. It's just, it's the kind of set where I have to be in the mind spe space of, yeah, what are you going to do to me? Like, like when I tell people some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, I see looks that are like, oh, I don't know. Should you go there? And I'm like, uh, or what? I'll continue to not have a career. <laughs> Like, and I mean that in uh, total deference to my fans who are listening to this, fans who support and listen to other things I put out. Um, you are the reason, I, and I, I, I got a little teary on the first iteration of this podcast. I've gotten less and less uh, upset. As a, so this one, I'm finally just angry instead of sad. But, um, you know, I was saying it's bittersweet because um, one of the reasons I can't sleep, and I've talked about this before, but it's, it's nothing to do with her personally, but it is... It was a, a comedic existential crisis when, um, for the first time in human history, stand uh, lip sync comedy went from cute middle school talent show shtick to global phenomenon overshadowing the, the, the breadth of my content. And that is when I started. There are other factors. There are personal factors. There are health factors. There's all sorts of factors weighing on my mind that are, that are definitely keeping some kind of anxiety I've never felt. I wake up in the middle of the night wondering if my dog is going to jump on me. She's never jumped on me in her life, but I, it, is a, it is a weird thing. Like I have an overwhelming amount of anxiety. So when I wake up, I cannot get back to sleep because I'm just – I have so much anxiety. I'm putting it – I'm assuming and questioning things that are like, like, will Cookie jump on the bed? First of all, if she jumps on the bed, so what? Um, and secondly, she's never jumped on the bed while we've been sleeping. And thirdly, um, what the fuck is wrong with me? But it is really hurting my sleep, and I'm starting to look like 
like shit, even though I'm losing weight and getting fit, like, like the bags under my eyes, I'm like, it's, I'm starting to like, you know, look like fucking Max von Sydow eyes. I'm, I'm like, my, my eyes look like the eyes of an 80 year old priest. And, uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it started, it started last summer. That was the first time I started waking up feeling very anxious. And it was, it's a weird thing because somebody would think I'm crazy, but I think you guys at least know the amount that I care about comedy and what it has meant to my life um, from growing up in a very tense, angry household where sitcoms and making jokes, whether they be at someone else's expense or just an impression, being the most consistent happy times, uh, from almost being expelled from my private school and having to see a child psychologist and all of a sudden, mir miracle of miracles, instead of hitting kids and pushing kids and getting into fights, I started making jokes. Sounds like sublimation to me. Um, right up to having, you know, not making friends on the college basketball team until I started making them laugh. And then I, and then I made friends with everybody because I was able to employ humor and impressions. Um, and then we get to law school where I'm deeply depressed for the first time, not just lonely, not just, uh, trying to fit in, but, 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 uh, depressed. And it was stand up comedy that provided me the hobby and the outlet. So my entire life comedy has been some kind of outlet, although I didn't even try think or try to do it in any kind of professional capacity till my mid twenties. So comedy is incredibly important to me in a way that I, I think for so many, even successful people now, a, a lot of it's, it's a means to an end. It's a means to fame or it's a it's a it's a, a tool in the toolkit of I want to be a celebrity or an entertainer. But for me, it's a very deeply personal um, struggle, uh, uh, journey, art form, all of those things. Uh, it's been an outlet for my frustrations, for my happiness and and. When I, if I could undo 2020, obviously, you know, I'm just talking on a personal level, not the pandemic. Of course, I would undo the pandemic. But if I could undo 2020 in terms of the success I had, I would. But the silver lining and the, and the people who deserve no blame whatsoever and only praise and, and gratitude from me are, are fans because the industry completely rejected me. Uh, like, like, I'm not going to run through every example, but it's like I do not understand how everyone who became big in 2020 via sort of social media, Trump-related, MAGA-related comedy, not only blew up, but got A-list representation. Blair Erskine, Brent Terhune, Sarah Cooper, they all went to the top. Not just like, hey, I got somebody repping me. It was like CAA, William Morris, blah, 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 writing for Kimmel, et cetera, et cetera. And I got zero. Like, I, it's not like they got 10, 10, 9, and I got six. It was 10, 10, 9, zero. Except... I got tons of press coverage and I got a lot of fans who supported me and watched my videos. But now a combination of no industry support, no representation and algorithms fucking me over. It's sort of like I wish I could go back to the mental space I was in February of 2020 where I had no expectations of anything happening and was just sort of settling into a, a sort of post-comedy life. Can't do that though. Have to live in the present and and can't change what happened, but uh, but it was definitely the lip sync stuff that that either triggered some sort of anxiety or or brought about anxiety or augmented anxiety because it just felt like this for so long I couldn't trust the industry and that's easy you can be like well they're stupid they're lazy whatever whatever but when lip syncing became a global phenomenon it 
cut me to the core because I said, oh, I've always thought if I can just reach the people, if somebody will just give me a platform to reach people, I can do this. And, and that's what happened. Like once I blew up for like a few months, people were like my stand-up videos were getting tens of thousands of views. My albums were selling all of them, not just the Trump albums, the stand-up albums started selling really well. Again, people were like interested in seeing all of my sort of work. And then it just sort of got overshadowed. And then you start to hear things from lots of people where it's like, you both are great. And I'm like, oh, okay. So what I did wasn't actually received as, as the way I hoped it would be. Like my total body of work is, is sort of being ignored and I'm now falling behind lip sync. And that was, that was, that is like, you know, that I, I don't know where that plays now. I just know that that's when I started feeling deep anxiety. So this isn't a matter of me just being bitter. It was happening to me on a, a deeply mental and emotional level. I'm not saying that's right or, or, or good, but it, it was not happening of like me just sitting in a room going, I don't like this. Fuck. It was like affecting my health. Um, and some people might say, well, you should see somebody. And I do, but, but it's like, it was deeper than that. It was like, what have I been doing comedy for? What have I been pursuing if at the end of the day, at the peak of my career, it can be undone by a middle school talent show trick from, a, from a, an open mic level comedian? Like at that point, you just sort of go, oh, okay. Like um, everything I believed. It was like, it was the comedic equivalent of finding out God doesn't exist. And I, because in comedy, the audience is God, the audience, the fans, that the people who can really, yes, plenty of comedians get forced down the throats of the public because they meet a certain criteria, demo, they're friends with somebody, they have a, sh a certain shtick, but the audience is, is, is God. The audience in comedy is what determines whether you succeed or fail, um, whether you make money or not. They, yeah, they can be guided in a certain way, but that is it. If you have an audience, you know, or in my case, if you have a fan base and can't reach them, it's kind of like somebody is uh, blocking you from God, <laughs> impeding your progress, but at least it still exists. But once you find out that like other things, one note comedians or middle school tricks are equal or greater than you, it makes you question everything. It make because then what, what have you been pursuing? It's like the end of Planet of the Apes with Charlton Heston, that version, where at the end of the movie, he thinks he's on another planet, but he realizes at the end of the movie, he's been on Earth the whole time and that home is gone. That's what it felt like. And that's, that was the first thing that kept me up. Now, I think after talking to my therapist, I think there's a range of issues that are that are affecting my sort of peace of mind and and my 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 demeanor but uh that said that's why I can't sleep and it's it's starting to it's starting to really bother me deeply but we move on we record a third episode of the podcast to give the people something good so i was thinking to myself today as i was walking cookie this uh this afternoon and uh, on my iPod, the song Gone by InSync came up. And I thought to myself, one title for the podcast, and I think the title will still be Less Than the Sum of Its Parts, because that's what I look at my comedy career, right down to my future appearance, guest appearance on a big cable drama. Um, my career is going to be 
less than the sum of its parts. I will have the credits, the social media numbers, the viral videos, the press coverage of somebody with a better career than I have. So when you add up everything I've, been, I've done and all the coverage I've gotten, and I'm not just talking about the press this past year. I'm talking about becoming a big guest on Adam Carolla when he was the number one podcast in the country. When he was Rogan before Rogan, he was never as big as Rogan, but when he was um, the number one podcast, I was a regular guest on that show for my impressions and for my comedy. Um, I made it onto Mark Maron's podcast, which is a big podcast in comedy. You know, I, I was played 25 times on the Dan Lebertard show on ESPN radio, one of the biggest shows they had, uh, in sports. Um, I had late night credits. I had my Louis CK viral video. I toured the country. I've self-produced six albums. going to be going to make a seventh now, you know, I've done a lot more than people who've had bigger careers than me. And I've certainly lapped most of my contemporaries in terms of just production. Um, and I challenge you to find somebody who, who had no manager or agent for their career who's gotten where I've gotten. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt that person is out there. But maybe they are, but I doubt it. And so I'm listening, and I thought to myself, I kind of identify with J.C. Chazé. I may be J.L., but I identify with J.C. Chazé. That's what I was thinking of when I was walking. But the other, the, the first title was, uh, you know, less than the sum of my parts. And, uh, but the other one was like, I, I wanted to say, I was like, oh, my name is J.L., but I identify as a J.C. Chazé in entertainment. Because I was listening to that song, Gone. It popped up on my iPod. And that's, you know, uh, it's the one where, it's the one where J.C. Chazé, I, I think I once told this joke on stage, but it was like, it's the, you know, it's this, it's like the, the ballad where they're, they're kind of pretending to be, especially Timberlake is kind of pretending to be uh, blackish. You know, he's like, sitting here. Like he's he's dropping his T's when he's saying sitting here. Get get you off by my mind. Like he's really evoking as much Michael Jackson and uh, urban vernacular as he can. And of course, on Keep My Enemies Closer, uh, one of the subtly best tracks I've ever dropped was about Justin Timberlake versus Robin Thicke in terms of, uh, you know, song choices where, where um, Justin Timberlake has all these songs where he's like, come on, girl, I'm going to take care of you. And then there's like a rapper who comes on who's like, bitch, I don't give a shit about your feelings. Fuck you. And then Timberlake comes back and is like, don't listen to him. I'm a good guy. Don't listen to the black guy rapping. He seems dangerous. And uh, now, and just go listen to um, any song of Timberlake's that has like a rap interlude. Um, oh, and then I also brought up Adam Levine's song Payphone, where like Wiz Khalifa just has a verse that out of nowhere just starts like talking terribly about women. And then Adam Levine is like pining for women. And I was like, somebody came up with this formula where it's like white pop star, white pop star, not afraid of being sensitive to women and not afraid of exploiting the misogyny in hip hop for a guest verse. So that was the, the whole point of that track on Keep My Enemies Closer, which is just a fucking masterpiece. But um uh, <laughs> but I'm listening to Gone and I'm like, oh yeah, I did have a joke about this. Cause I was like, what do you think JC Chazé? Cause JC Chazé was like the co-captain of NSYNC. Like they were definitely the two leads, but it was in Gone, it was on Gone where JC Chazé like officially became part of the background to Justin Timberlake. Cause like as they're breaking down the song, it's just like, um, 
all of a sudden Timberlake just gets to gets to take over the song and JC Chazé is just back there with Fatone and Kirkpatrick and Bass just like sitting here waiting and Justin Timberlake is just like get get you up by me and I was just like oh my god that JC Chazé that was like a JL Covan moment for his career he was probably just thinking how the fuck did I go from co-captain of NSYNC to my shit's over you know, and then he goes in a in a rich irony. He goes and does a song for the movie Drumline, and that's like the last we hear from J.C. Chazé. Whereas, you know, so at least J.C. went to like a black movie and was like, if I'm gonna try to borrow some of the music, I might as well at least do it for a black film. Meanwhile, Timberlake is just out there like, black producers make me a mo um, a mega superstar. Thank you, Timberland and Pharrell. <laughs> get get you up for my man. <laughs> Gone, baby girl, yeah, gone. It's the most, it's like, it's, it's Justin Timberlake saying, I will talk like a black person if it allows me to advance past J.C. Chazé and become a global superstar. And J.C. Chazé was like, I wasn't, I wasn't willing to sing in blackface. <laughs> By the way, I'm also like part Latin, I think. I think J.C. Chazé is like part Latino. So he was like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And Timberlake was like, I'll do it. Get you up of my mind, girl. I'm sitting here. Can't get you up of my mind. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> I feel like I could do a whole Ken Burns documentary on Justin Timberlake, like an American studies project on, on Justin Timberlake being the last, not the last, but like, you know, the, 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 in the tradition of like Elvis, he, he might be our last Elvis, Justin Timberlake. And then I ripped the titty off of Janet Jackson and said, I'm appalled. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, that's, I just, I was, I had a chuckle. It put me in a better mood. Like, you know, misery loves company. And I felt like on that walk with cookie, I just thought to myself, I feel like JL and JC, uh, not Jesus Christ, JC Chazé, JCC. I guess I should say, um, not Jewish community center, JC Chauze. Um, you know, I, I, I felt a kinship with him. Um, and, uh, that made me cheer up to think, you know what, there's somebody out there who reached even bigger heights and, um, could not pander his way into the same success that I'm sitting here, can't get you up of my mind. <laughs> Meanwhile, J.C. Chazé is like, come on, I'm doing, I'm doing a song for Drumline. Come on, I'm trying, to in, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to augment my person of color bona fides. And meanwhile, Justin Timberlake is just like, you know, overseeing black producers going, make me a star, you. <laughs> so, yes, that, this, this podcast goes out to J.C. Chazé, not afraid of making J.O. feel better. Um, and then I walked by the school and my groundhog family that f friends were there. That, that also cheers me up. It's very Tony Soprano with his like ducks or geese in the Sopranos. I walked by a pio Maya's horse. I walked by and I just, and I saw this groundhog and then he runs, he sees me and cookie and he, he was like venturing out farther. But I love seeing that family of groundhogs. It's just very reassuring about like nature and, and, and it's, it's a, it's a sweet thing. That, that, that this family of groundhogs just has their little home right next to the high school. Uh, I only saw one today, but I've seen as many as four. And I loved it when I saw four. Because at first I saw one for a long time throughout like the winter. Then I saw two. 
where he looked, he was, he was like showed up and it looked like he was with his boo. And then all of a sudden I saw two little ones and I was like, oh man, the groundhog is fucking. <laughs> I was like, good for you, groundhog. Get your fam, get your family on. Don't let COVID stop you from having a family. Uh, and then they just seem to, you know, they play on the grass. And then as soon as I turn the corner, uh, either by myself or with Cookie, he'll be sniffing the grass and he'll look up and then just sprint his ass back to his hole and kind of look like the big one will like watch out. And I'm like, that's good, good fathering, good groundhog fathering. The, the groundhog family is, uh, is intact. So that made me feel good. And then I got a text, a tweet from a, a, a fan. Uh, that annoyed me and put me in a horrible mood, which is why half this podcast was a little so, uh, somber, but uh, much more cheerful than what you were going to get. Um, oh, and I stopped. I, I'm so scatterbrained um, uh, that I forgot to give all my shows, didn't I? I think I did. Um, okay, so if you're still listening, Philly this Sunday, the 26th, uh, Raleigh, October 6th, Belmore, Long Island, October 15th, one show for the special, October 23rd. There will be a new link up soon. Um, and, uh, after that, nothing in November, uh, so far, uh, and why would I think that would change? But hopefully it does. Uh, December, December 9th, I am, um, at, uh, at the Pittsburgh improv. And I thought to myself, Thursday football season, Pittsburgh, what are the odds that there's a Steeler game that night? If I'm, if it, if, if it was for someone else, I'd say 5%, but because I'm getting the gig, I was like mm, 98% chance there's a Steeler game as soon as my show happens. And I was right. It's not a, it's not a home game at least, but it, there was a Steeler Thursday night game. And I said, that's why I was able to get that Thursday. So I head to Pittsburgh for that. And, um, I have requested that the show be at seven o'clock, which I think can be accommodated, which I feel like is, is, is kind to the Steeler community because then I can say, um, Hey, come out to my show and then go watch the Steelers. And it'll be my first trip uh, back to Pittsburgh in 12 years. The last time I was there, um, uh, some fans were screaming the N word at, uh, the Cleveland Browns. And I, me and my brother, uh, have not been back to Cleveland, uh, to P the Pittsburgh, uh, since. So it'll be a great homecoming, great homecoming. I, I feel like I would probably tell that story to people. Um, you know, just let them know that I think Pittsburgh's a wonderful place. Um, <laughs> so, uh, December 9th, Pittsburgh improv, uh, many people, uh, request, asked me about Pittsburgh on social media and promptly, as soon as I posted about it, uh, nobody did. Somebody instead asked about South Carolina. So it's like a whack-a-mole. It's social media whack-a-mole. As soon as you mention a city, like I'm going to be in LA, somebody from fucking Des Moines is like, what about Des Moines? And then I'm like, good news, everybody booked a residency in Des Moines, Iowa. And then somebody from Jacksonville is like, are you ever coming to Florida? And then I'm like, I've got a 19 city tour of Florida. I'm going to all the places whether it's Miami or white trash fucks face panhandle, I'm going to be there. And then somebody from Texas is like, are you ever coming to Texas? And I'm like, I'm in Dallas, San Antonio, Austin. What's up, Texas? And then somebody from Idaho is like, we have a club in Idaho. You should really look into it. It's a nice space. And then um, I jump off the roof of my building and um, unfortunately survive because I'm so tall. The end. Not afraid of taking a morbid turn like a podcast version of the end of American beauty. Um, so I think I've gotten through everything. And then, oh, I did not. Big, big news. Los Angeles, Southern California, the region of the country that's bothered me the most for, get, for shows. Flappers in Burbank, February 6th, 9 p.m. It's the Sunday in between 
the championship games of the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. So it's an off week for NFL playoffs. Perfect time to see another large human being with brain damage entertain you. So if you and do not have these are the, the, the standing instructions for all these shows is get tickets now. Like get tickets now. Don't wait. Because, and I can tell the club in LA is going to give me problems if ticket sales aren't sort of like on a robust pace. So it's six months from now. If you, it doesn't conflict with NFL playoffs. I made sure of that. So uh, if you're in going to be in Southern California or if you're in Southern California, get those tickets now. Uh, all the links are on my website right now, except for Pittsburgh, which will go up, uh, I believe, Wednesday. And no, I'm sorry. Yes, Wednesday. Wednesday at some point, the ticket link for the Pittsburgh Improv uh, show will be up. And then hopefully sometime this week, the amended link for the special taping in October uh, in New York City will go up. So I think that's it. Um, JC Chazé, Groundhog Family. Um, I've watched a bunch of content recently, but uh, I watched the, the original Omen, which was actually pretty fucking dark and, and good. Um, they were definitely trying to like compete. They, they didn't match the exorcist, but I felt like it was a good attempt. It was a very Rihanna trying to be Beyonce to be the exorcist Beyonce. Um, very good, worthy attempt. Um, shine bright like a diamond. Uh, and then what else? I've watched a bunch of stuff. There's too much content. Basically the other two continues to be my favorite comedy right now. Um, episode five, Chase Gets Baptized, is uh, one of my favorite uh, episodes of comedy that I can remember uh, in a long time. So uh, I recommend the other two still. I think there's two more episodes coming out next week. Um, uh, trying to think of what else can I recommend? I watched the Bob Ross documentary on Netflix. Man, I, I, I felt uh, weird because I was always like, I liked watching Bob Ross because his voice was so soothing. And then they were talking about Bob Ross and they're like, yeah, chicks, chicks wanted to fuck Bob Ross because of that seductive voice. And I was like, am I gay? Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I kept thinking, I'm like, is my, are my ears homosexual? Uh, because I enjoyed uh, Bob Ross's talk. Like, it, it was just very soothing. I was, I was watching that documentary with a cup of chamomile tea going, oh, I'm going to sleep great tonight. And then I woke up at 2.50 with anxiety and said, um, chamomile tea, you're a fucking liar. You're not helping me sleep at all. Chamomile tea. Fuck you. Anyway, that's a title. Fuck you, chamomile tea. Um, what else? So those are the shows that I have. And then, uh, you know, following those shows, hopefully there will be, I'm trying to get back to Boston City Winery. We had a very successful show. So as would be predictable with my career, they are not returning my emails or phone calls. <laughs> It's, it's, it's weird. If, if my career were happening to someone else, I would be laughing maniacally. Not like... Because to be mean to them, but I'd be like, oh my God, this is like, this is like the most ultimate curb your enthusiasm version of life that I'm watching. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I sold a lot of tickets on a Monday night. So I was just trying to get back there spring of 2022, but, um, they're not returning my, my messages, which is weird. Um, cause it was an unabashed success. So, uh, whatever I touch seems to turn to shit. Um, and the thing I touch the most is my comedy career, apparently. So, um, I have to say thank you to the fans. I, I, I want to reiterate that I hope you understand people who listen to this, people who support what I do, people who appreciate what I do, people who just send me nice messages. Um, it's, uh, it's not you. 
you're you're you are the silver lining to this. Um, you're the ones, like I said, last the last year and a half, you've 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 gotten me so close to my dream that I have nothing but admiration and appreciation for for you know I I feel an obligation and I feel I fulfill that obligation to produce a volume of content that is quality and varied and I think I do that so I feel like I'm upholding my part of the bargain but that doesn't mean I'm not incredibly grateful for for you know having fans is is great and I feel like the one silver lining to where my career is now is that I don't have enough fans real good fans that it's like a faceless mob. <laughs> I feel like I I'm familiar with many of you and it, 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 it feels good. It's very nice. And I am very appreciative. Obviously for career sake, I would like my reach to at least be equal to what my Twitter account is instead of, you know, one 18th of my Twitter account. Um, but I am very appreciative for sure. So thank you for all that. But you know, Facts are facts, and I try not to bullshit on this podcast, and I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety that I can't really quite explain and can't f completely figure out or, or, or I'm unable to, to fix right now or to, 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 to um, address certain things. But uh, as long as J.C. Chazé is out there, I know that, you know, like Fievel looking up at the moon in, in, a, in American Tale, where he, you know, somewhere out there... Blah, 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 blah. Where they're looking at the same moon, like they're separated. But, like, I think that's me and J.C. Chazé. Like, he sees Justin Timberlake come on TV. I see, like, a certain Netflix special. And then we look up at the moon with a tear in our eyes and go, JLC and JCC. At least I know there's one other artist out there who can understand what I'm going through. Baby girl, you're gone. Please just go listen to Gone by NSYNC after this podcast. That's your homework. <laughs> Even though we're apart, am I still in your heart? Oh, my God. It's like, it's, I mean, come on. I feel bad for J.C. Chazé. You know, he's just a partial Latin dude trying to do a song for a Nick Cannon movie to prove his person of color bona fides. And then Justin Timberlake is just out there ripping open black women's shirts, riding Timbaland like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, a mule and just using that black scent. I'm with you, J.C. Chazé. I'm with you to the end. I am with you to the end. So um, <laughs> so this podcast is dedicated to J.C. Chazé, uh, the groundhog family that lives in, at Bloomfield High School uh, that cheers me up whenever I see them. They don't know it. They run away from me. But, uh, but they should know if they listen to podcasts in their whole that I'm a big fan. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, come to, come to some shows. Get some tickets. The farewell tour. The JL farewell tour. Can't get you up by my man. Arm talent. Uh, why do you, why, maybe you shouldn't do it if it's limited. Maybe you should shut the fuck up, random guy on Twitter who follows me. Uh, anyway, that was just a one-minute uh, summary of this podcast. For anybody who, who uh, chose to just fast-forward to the last minute, you, you, that was an encapsulation of the entire episode. So hopefully tonight I get some sleep. 
because uh, I should be focused more on my mother's surgery and making sure she's okay and that she is uh, in a good state of mind and uh, maybe being in my old home, um, you know, just start sucking my thumb, piss the bed and, and get a good night's sleep. How about that? Mom, put on the ALF sheets. I want to revert back to childhood. So thank you for listening, everybody. Um, have a great week. Go get vaccinated if you're not. And uh, please get your tickets to some of my shows, all of my shows, somewhere out there. Uh, but uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And you can only imagine how fucking depressing the two episodes I am not airing are. Uh, voice was cracking on the first one because I was so upset. And the second one, I pledged to be good and positive. And about eight minutes into it, it I went into a whole downward spiral. So this episode um, was the best I can do. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed it, um, except for that guy who wrote about my John Gruden limited impression. If you listen to the podcast, stop listening. I don't want you as a fan. So thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Check out Making Podcasts Great Again. Um, follow me on Instagram if you don't. Subscribe to my YouTubes if you don't. Um, you know, just to uh, diversify your JL portfolio because, you know, you can't depend on one social media site anymore because sometimes they suppress. I don't know if you've heard me complain about that, but it's a thing. So thank you, everybody. Have a great week, and I will see you next Tuesday. Though this is going up on a Monday, so see you Monday. <laughs>